Hello everybody, this is Donna D, aka The Urban Mommy, and I'm back again. And I wanted to introduce you to someone by the name of Derek Johnson. Welcome, Derek. Welcome, welcome. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> of course, I'm nice glad you, you came. I'm glad you came. Um, all right, so I need you to first tell the viewers who you are. Who is Derek? All right. So my name is Derek Johnson. I'm a U.S. Army veteran. My father was U.S. Army 25 plus years. So I wanted the mental and the physical challenge. So I went that route, not to retire from the Army, but to get some time in, get college and certifications paid for, and then go another route. Uh, my mother, she's German, and she was always a kindergarten teacher for 40 plus years. And her last few years, she was a teacher at Montessori. I didn't personally go to Montessori, but it was interesting. I used to do my volunteer time at Montessori and I saw that they didn't have classrooms. And I was like, oh, this is why these kids are so smart. So <laughs> growing up with a teacher mother and then my dad was army drill sergeant as well. So growing up, both parents are very strict. German mothers are like this. African-American male from Starkville, Mississippi, farm boy. He had the structure as well. So I had the structure at home and then successful parents in their field, but they were the youngest, excuse me, they were the oldest of multiple kids. So they had to be the father and the mother for their siblings. So they grew up quick. They saw a lot of trauma growing up with their parents, alcoholism and drugs ran on both sides of the families. So what I noticed that in middle school is that even though from the outside, our house was the party house, the cookout house, the nice house in Florida, once the guests and everybody had left, the last bottle of alcohol was drank and then they would just release on the sun. So I was the youngest. And so at first it was confusing, but then I just saw that they weren't like necessarily yelling at me. They were just yelling through me because then the very next day they would say, Hey, where would you like to eat breakfast at? Where are we going for lunch today? And the first couple of times I'm like, did you not realize what happened for three hours last night? Like I had to clean up the glass, all type of stuff. But I realized that they just did not get the help that they needed. So I got into fitness and really worked on faith, especially after a workout that helped keep my mind calm. So that way I wouldn't be aggressive in school and I would just be the calm, quiet kid. But yeah, so long story short, in that upbringing, I also ended up getting into the military, which then led me to get into coaching to help people, not just in the military, but the general public as well. But I truly believe that life's journey kind of guides you on your path. So seeing all that, I feel like when you've seen hell or you've been through it in various ways, then you're able to have a deeper connection with people and help them because you've actually experienced it rather than just teaching from a book or a theory. All right. Okay. So why do you think that so many people have issues now? Like, I guess like with mental health and issues like that, why do we see so many, like every time we turn on the news, it's another story that we've never, we've never seen these type of stories. But like everyone is having mental breakdowns. Do you have any ideas on why that's going on? Yeah, for sure. So I truly believe that it is our devices and that we don't have control of our attention. So it all depends on the information somebody's looking at. Like these things could connect us. These, these apps connected us. <laughs> but on the flip side is most of society doesn't have control of their attention at all. Advertisements, the media, celebrities, the negative family member, like whatever or whoever has their attention at all times. So they're always like this email, text. This person needs me. I need to be here. And a lot of people, they're very all over the place. 
And then it's easy for them to get distracted, to then feel bad that they're not making progress in whatever area they want. And it's easy for them to get distracted, especially when they're in a low state. If they're in a low place and they open up an app, if they see something as negative, then that adds to it. And then it just keeps compounding. And then they're like, shoot, I haven't even worked on my own schedule today. And I'm already stressed. So I truly believe that a lot of people just do not know how to take control of their attention again and really be calm and present because they're always thinking about the next thing or about the past so if they can start to work on that to have more control and be more present where nowadays you go to a restaurant the kids the family everybody's like this and nobody's really present anymore so i think that's a huge reason because everybody's in their own little world that's so true um so you think that social media or it's just just the devices or a little bit of both I would say definitely a little bit of both and just seeing like what that individual, whether it's a child, a teenager or an adult, just seeing what they're actually consuming. So I like to think of it this way is the first couple of minutes when you wake up, some people, they start watching the media and it's 99% negative. So they plant that negative seed in their head at six or 7 a.m. And then by lunch break, they're like, I'm so stressed today. I'm sad for no reason. And then they forgot that they watched the negative media or they opened up Facebook at 7 a.m. and they saw a sad dog rescue video. And then like they're already crying in bed before they even started. And they're just like, all right, I got to get off these devices. So it could be a combination of social media, media, or maybe just seeing, hey, we got four bills due tomorrow. Tomorrow's the first. So maybe that stresses them out at 7 a.m. So right. it could be a variation of things. But yeah, so definitely the devices, social media, but also on a positive side is that if they use it in the right way, they can put more positive and empowering information in and actually like get connected with good people and see these apps and these devices in another light rather than just negative. Right. That's true. Okay. So when we have people that's dealing with negative situations, how do you suggest um, that they take control of their situation? How can they, they, they control it? That's a great question. So it all depends on the scenario. Everybody's situation is different. But I, what I like to do, I like to approach it as in what in my schedule could I get rid of or replace with something better that'll help me make more progress. So a simple example could be Uber Eats and DoorDash. Maybe they eat healthy all day, but once they sit on the couch and turn on Netflix, 8 p.m. comes around, they start ordering, they go to the fridge a lot, and they don't realize how much they do that. And they're like, I do that seven days a week, the money, the bad food and this and this. So it could be something that simple on the flip side. It could be what they consume on the devices. Maybe they just get distracted by negative things. So like right now, TikTok's very popular. They click on one video, they go down another rabbit hole, another rabbit hole. Next thing you know, an hour went by and they're just like stressing, thinking the world's about to end. And they're like, let me, let me chill out for a bit and focus on what I can control. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely first look at what that person could eliminate or just do less of or if it's food or nutrition related what could they replace it with if, if they're trying to cut down sugars they could start going with flavored sparkling waters just slowly start chipping away rather than like trying to go cold turkey one day and just saying all right i'm gonna cut it all because it's not sustainable for most people some people they can do it but the majority of people if they can just slowly start to make those changes so they can feel like they have more control before they start to change your schedule or add some stuff to their routine they could first say all right let me get rid of some stuff first to lighten the load 
And then let me see what I can do to work on my goals rather than like, oh, I'm a stack on this. Coach said, get up at six. Oh, now I'm overwhelmed. Now I'm back in the apps. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so how how does this make you feel like helping all the people and doing everything that you do professionally when you bring it over to the, you know, the military? Do you think that that kind of helped you to become a better coach your military experience for sure i think the big reason is two things one is seeing the two examples of leadership traits so like one the positive one the one who can make everybody's morale feel calmer or hype them up and then on the flip side we've all had a boss or manager that was just micromanaging just over you all the time you're just like can you just let me do my job like can you get get out my face (laughs) so seeing both sides is you can learn from both people so i've always loved looking at the traits of people that I would like to emulate or be like, or put my own twist to, and then people that I don't want to be like, not in a judgmental way, but more so, hey, they embarrassed this female in front of the whole group. They embarrassed this guy that's in a low place, and they didn't didn't mean to, but they just don't have self-awareness or situational awareness. So that would be the first thing, is to look at the people around us who have the good traits of leadership, and then the others that you don't want to be because you can learn from both. And then the second one would just be being around different types of ethnicities, personalities, traits, and all that, working with a lot of different cultures, that helped the most, more so knowing how to approach different people. So it ties in with the first one, but also is that the best leaders, they know how to approach each person differently, and they can just read the room or say, you know what, they're from this country let's ask them more questions before we try to lead them. Let's just learn about them because we've never worked with a Muslim. We've never worked with somebody like this. So let's just ask some questions. And when we just ask good questions and actually actively listen, instead of like most people, they listen to respond and they're just like, and you're like, hey, they're not even listening. This is why I don't talk to (laughs) y'all. Everybody has that friend. But with that being said is if we can ask people good questions, we can learn from them. And then they feel good because they're like, wow, you're actually interested to know how our culture does it. And the next thing you know, you work together and everybody feels better. And the team morale is much higher rather than the old school corporate way. We've always done it this way. We're going to do it by the book. Sometimes it just doesn't work anymore like that. Right. Okay. And you speak of like different culture. And I heard you say earlier that your dad was African-American and your mom is German. So you grew up mixed. How was that experience and how do you think it affected who you are today? It it was definitely interesting. So I'm from Pensacola, Florida. So Florabama, you probably hear multiple accents sometimes when I talk, but it's right there, 15 minutes away from Alabama, Panhandle, Florida. Um, But my high school was split. It was like half redneck, half Southern black folk. And then after Hurricane Katrina, my senior year of high school, everything got mixed and everybody was fighting. And all the mixed kids or the light-skinned ones, they were like, look, I'm just here to play sports and go to class. Like, I'm not doing this black versus white fighting thing. And they're like, whose side are you on? And I just would like, just walk away. And I was like, this this is stupid. What are y'all doing? Y'all are tying into the media. So I would just like look at people and say, hey, what are we doing? Who's pushing this agenda? Like, why, why do you not like this dude? Just because he is in the school? Is it because grandpa told you to think this way? So I was always the mediator in a calm way, just to look at different perspectives. So that really was interesting to see. But also when it came to sports, 
if you're light skin, whether you're female or male, or whether you look a certain way, you're the pretty boy or whatever, whatever somebody assumes, they assume that you have it easy and they don't know your upbringing. So like, I wouldn't divulge and tell people what was happening at home because somebody always had it worse. I never wanted to complain, but when it came to sports being mixed, you had to prove yourself. So I was in martial arts <laughs> since I was little. So I was like, all right, I'm either going to get bullied for five years straight or I got to bust his nose in front of everybody one or two times. And then they'll stop messing with the light skinned dude. And then I had to do that a couple of times. They're like, oh, Derek's not soft or whatever the thought was. And to me, like, it didn't make sense. I was like, all right, this dude's bleeding on the ground now. Everybody's laughing at him. Like, this is terrible. But looking at the big picture, I was like, well, he's not going to mess with me anymore. So I had to do what I had to do. Mm -hmm. So I would say that you had to do that. But also just seeing the mutual respect afterwards. We shake hands. We don't become friends. We're like, hey, it is what it is. We're here to play ball. We're here to do whatever. Let's just keep it moving. And I feel like deep down those situations can help us, can help them and the people watching. They can see like, yo, what, what are we doing here? Like just because somebody looks a certain way. We're all here to play sports, go to class. And those moments can definitely help a lot. Right. Okay. All right. And piggybacking off that story. What would you tell if you had to talk to a kid about being bullied or having like they had a situation like like that? Um, what do you tell them about bullying? How how would you tell your child to respond? Because I mean, we can't tell them they got to bust a nose. Anymore. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Now, now it's different. Right. So I would first assess the situation and ask them what exactly is going on. But to also challenge them to not give them the response that they expect. It's way harder said than done, but if they expect him or her to cry, if they expect them to get quiet and run away, if they expect him to tell or whatever they expect, give them the opposite without being violent and just seeing how they can control it. So sometimes they could just play chess with their words and then go from there. Because a lot of the times the bully is literally just the most insecure person in the school and they're just projecting on everybody. But if they can just ask them a question or just like change it up or sometimes you can just agree. I used to agree with people. So I've dealt with the hate from one side, dealt with the rednecks in the south and all that. Like it didn't bother me, but I would just agree. They're like, you and your people are like this. I was like, yep. And then they wouldn't know what else to say. And it was more so like, cool, I'm, I'm not going to waste five minutes to argue with you. I'm just going to agree with everything you say. And it would throw people off because they're like, you're so nonchalant. You just don't care. But the reason I was like that is because at home, I was getting yelled at and screamed at every night. And I was like, I'm getting bullied at home. I'm not getting bullied at school and then at work and then everywhere else. So I like to not be at home because it's the only place that I don't have BS going on. So I would try to minimize the situations rather than like escalate it because I was a kid that was half asleep yelling with his parents all night and at school i was like this is my getaway so i'm gonna do everything i can to keep my space calm and just help people so i would definitely tell them to number one not give people the response that they expect and then if need to if the situation is right or whatever and sometimes you just have to stand up for yourself right so when you were growing up did did you look like either race or did people just not know it depended on the person so um, living in Florida, like obviously we'd be in the sun a lot. So I was a lot darker, like right now I'm pretty light, but I would go through phases depending on the time of year. Sometimes I would look super light at like Drake or Prince. And sometimes I could get dark and look Puerto Rican. So some people just didn't know depending on the time of year, but I more so didn't really think of that. Not just cause I was mixed, but when you grow up on military bases, you see so many cultures that your last thought is where are they from? 
Right. So it was a it was a shift in middle school to high school to see like how close minded a lot of people were. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to give people a great experience with different cultures. So like in high school and college, I played sports and then a lot of my friends were from Latin America. And I, I would invite my other friends who weren't from there to the cookouts, to the get togethers, to the quinceaneras, to, to all these different things. And they're like, I don't want to go over there to the Mexicans. I'm like, dude, number one, they're not Mexican. Like, just 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 come with me. And the next thing you know, they get to the event. Next thing you know, they're dancing the reggaeton, <laughs> dancing the salsa. And the next day they were like, yo, that was the best experience. I'm like, exactly. If you wouldn't have came, you would have assumed this, this, and this. Like, that's what your parents or your grandpa thought, but you had a great time. And now right. you try some new foods, listen to new music. So I always approach it that way. I wanted to give people their first time experiencing another culture. Even if it wasn't for them, at least they experienced it in a positive light. Okay. All right. So it's uh, oh, sorry. I was trying to read something I wrote. Okay, yes, what it was. I was saying that talking about leaders and leadership, what are some traits that peep that you see in people that'll determine some good leadership? Yeah, great question. So I've noticed a lot that really good leaders, they used to be athletes or they were in band or anything competitive. Like if people, especially in the South, if they were in band, drummers, piano, anything like that, they competed to be the best of the best. They have that competitive spirit. And then also with sports. So a lot of athletes and people that played instruments, they just naturally have that push that the average person wouldn't have because they just don't do anything that's competitive. So I would say number one, former athletes and people in band. And then two would be people that had a pretty rough upbringing because they can relate to people more. Like they can sense their energy or see it in their eyes. An example could be if you're that kid or that teenager who's going through something and somebody came up to you and just gave you a piece of advice and you're like, I don't even know how they approached me. I don't know how they saw it. I thought I was putting on a mask, but they can sense it because they've been through something and then they see themselves in you. So it was always interesting. And then the older we get, if we're sitting at the bus stop, in the airport, wherever in public, if somebody's ever approached you and just like poured out to you for five or 10 minutes and you're like, I don't even know what just happened, but they needed that. So I'm glad I was able to listen. But giving people more of those situations, being able to read the room better. Okay. All right. So what do you tell people who don't have those qualities that would like to still become great leaders? Good question. So a good thing that they could do is to try to mentor somebody. It could be at the Boys and Girls Club. It could be at a school. It could be wherever. But if they have somebody that they're guiding, then they start getting really creative with how to set something up to help them. So whether it's volunteer work, whatever it is, but when somebody depends on you and they know somebody does, they start to elevate their game. Like Mm. let's just say that they smoke and drink a lot, but they know every Tuesday and Thursday they got to see the student. They might not smoke or drink on that day because they're like, I'm going to prep. I'm going to give the best example, show up better. And then slowly they start wanting to do whatever their vice is less and less because they're like, wow, it feels good that this kid, this teenager looks up to me and it's a win-win for both people. So I know it's a different perspective, but I've seen a lot of people that they'll stop thinking about themselves when they do have somebody that they need to mentor for a bit, even if it is just volunteer time. Okay. All right. So if someone came to you, like similar to an upbringing, like, like you said, you had a kind of tough upbringing 
and they want to, you know, become successful in life and they think that that, is, that may hold them back, what would you speak to them? That's a good question. So I would first pinpoint to see if they can plan out exactly what they're trying to do. Because some people, they'll just say, I want to be rich or I want to be successful. And then when you ask them a dollar amount, they're like, I, I don't know, one million, two million. Or if they say, hey, I want to get fit. And you're like, hey, that's that's great. But what exactly? I don't know. I just want to look better. You say, OK, so what would make you happy with how you feel and look like? Let's say it's 6 a.m. You're brushing your teeth and you look in the mirror. What changes would make you happy? And then they're like, huh, you know what? My midsection, this and this. And I want that outfit to fit better. And if they can start to help that person get clear on what they want, if if they don't know it yet, but first get some clarity on exactly what they want. So they feel a rush rather than like a, a vague statement. But yeah, first guiding that person to get really detailed about everything that they want to experience, how they want to look, where they want to live, what they want to feel and literally work their creative juices. So then they get excited and they're like, wow, I really never gave this that much thought. Right. Okay. So just thinking back on the issues that you said growing up, you know, with your your situation. So many people now I notice that had issues with mom or dad grow up to have mommy issues and daddy issues. What is it about you that it doesn't appear that you have that? How were you able to remain so positive and still see the good side of even what some may consider as bad? It, it was more so that I was sick and tired of people having control over me. So I told myself that I'm no longer going to allow someone to, to just be blunt, to piss me off more than five minutes. And I give myself a five minute window. And like I do this with my friends and my clients a lot. I ask them. So if their life is real, stuff happens. But I ask people, how long will you allow yourself to feel this way? So we're not saying life is unicorns, sunshines and rainbows. But if we can control how long we stay in the state, we'll start to get more confidence. And we're like, wow. I used to allow him or her to have me low, pissed off or whatever the feeling was for five days straight or five hours. But if they give themselves like a 10 minute window where they can at least come down, we're not pretending these things don't exist, but more so our reaction to these people or to a situation where we're like, wow, I used to be like this and give people this response. But now I'm more neutral where it's more so, hey, I'm a smooth wave rather than feeling like I'm on an emotional roller coaster. But I truly feel it was just challenging ourselves to push pride and ego out of the way to say, all right, let me zoom out. Does this person have power over me? Does the economy have power over me? Does this agenda have power over me? Or do I have power over me? Because usually it's just a reaction to a person or a thing that's happening. But if we look at it like that, again, it's, it's hard at first. But if we break it down simple and say, how much time am I going to stay in this zone and allow this person to have control over me rather than just like looking at the situation for what it is and just zooming out to say, am I really going to put the ball in their court for my male clients to be blunt? I'm like, hey, who has you by the balls? Does life have you by the balls or are you in control? <laughs> so asking, asking ourselves, do I have control or am I allowing this person to control me so i used to be that kid where i would just be angry listening to very dark music and just pissed off and i would just like blast this stuff and i was like i, I can't stay in this state all the time it's draining I'm, I'm not even a negative person and i was just like not feeling naturally like that person so what i would do i would just try to 
make other people's day and flip that negative into something positive. But definitely the number one thing that helped is just to release by working out. Working out and after the workout, we've all had a workout where afterwards we feel mentally calm and then ideas come to you, opportunities, maybe your prayers are deeper, you feel a better relationship with God, whatever faith somebody has. But after a workout, it's just that mental calmness and then they can like decide on what to do next. It's more so like the clarity rather than just the body, but it's that calmness afterwards where they're just like, wow, I needed that. Now I could think clear because it's really hard to think ourselves to happiness if we haven't released yet. So I always challenge people to at least do two things every single day, move the body. That could be a walk or run the gym, whatever their preference is. And then from there, something for the mind or faith, whatever their option is, visualization, meditation or prayer, all of them work, but teach their own. But yeah, so then asking ourselves is like, what is my time limit on how long I'm going to allow these people to control how I feel? Because I'm giving them control over me. Okay. All right. So let's pretend that someone did something to you to wrong you. Do you believe in getting, how I say, get your lick back? Or do you allow karma to get them? So younger version wanted to get the lick back, wanted to be revenge, wanted to be, oh, I'm going to get back. And there's a there's an e- ESTG song called Lick Bell, Blast That, and just think about it. <laughs> but yeah, that was the old version of me. It's still there, but it's more so in the gym. I let them out there. But besides that, nowadays, I just don't acknowledge with anger or revenge. I just say, you know what? I'm going to kill them with kindness. While they go to bed, they're going to think and be annoyed or feel bad. They, they won't say anything, but I'm just going to like keep doing my thing to show them that they won't have power over me. But they're like, wow, I was really a, a a-hole to this person. And it's, it's way harder said than done. But once you do it a lot of times, you realize that people will sense that they can't piss you off unless they touch you. If they touch you, they, they cross the line. But if you get to that point where you're just neutral about it, And you're more so nonchalant. You're not pretending you don't care about things, but it's more so you're playing chess with people because the people that try to irk us are usually just insecure and they can't control their vices. And if you remind yourself of that, you're like, they're going through something that if I add to this fire, we're just going to have an altercation. And some people, they're just like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And sometimes they're like, hey, I appreciate that. And other people, they get madder when you say that. So (laughs) teach their own. Right. So what if it was, what if it, this, this question was towards your relationship? So if you had a situation where you were, someone was um, cheated or something on you, would you karma or would you cheat back? I would just focus on killing somebody with success. Okay. Like using harnessing anger, aggression, whatever the feeling is, getting the best workout I've had the whole year, getting a clear mind. And then helping as many people as you can in your field. Like, that's what current version would do. Past version would just be angry, but that's a lot of wasted energy. Right. And I do believe that karma comes full circle. So for both people, for the person that doesn't try to take control of karma, like they can get blessed by not giving the reaction. And the other person, maybe they just wake up and change their ways or they don't. But that's not our job. Right. Okay. So when it comes to friendships and relationships, what advice would you give people? I would say to what can you do to be the best friend to other people? 
And I'm not saying to be the yes man or the yes woman, just like doing everything for everyone. But at the end of the day, when somebody looks at their circle, who's the number one person that they can say that person will be there no matter what. And it's usually the person that's going to call you out when you're slacking. Yeah, y'all might argue sometimes, but they're the only one that are going to be like, hey, it's time to tighten up. That person is the one that loves you the most. So if we can be that person for others, we're not cutting them down. It's more so like I want them to win. I want to win and I want us to win together. So if they see me slacking or whatever, if they speak up, that's amazing. A lot of people, they can't take that. But if they zoom out, they're like, that's the friend or family member that loves you the most. If they speak up when they just see you are getting off of your game or off of your flow. So I would challenge them to elevate others and also elevate themselves. And some people, they're ready to elevate. But sometimes others, they just want to stay the same or they're not ready or they never will. But that's a whole other conversation. But if you have those people around you that are adding to the fire in a good way, like we all help each other, then that's the best feeling rather than like, oh, man. He or she only calls when they need something or when they want to complain about their situation, but they never call with positive news. So really assessing your circle. Who's actually giving or are they just taking? So what what would you suggest if you notice that you have someone in your circle that's just a t- being um, a taker? I would just slowly fade away. I like to think of that Homer Simpson gif where he's like goes into the bushes. <laughs> yeah. And nowadays I would just slowly fade away. So I'm, I'm more so like to look at the hard facts and just strategize that rather than like be emotional about it. And again, past version, past version would be angry and all that. But nowadays I'm like, all right, so his pattern is this, this and this. They'll reach out when they need something. And what I'll do, I'll have a test where I'm like, OK. So here's a real example. Certain family member used to only reach out when things would happen. He helped me before i helped him before cool it is what it is but then we started noticing the patterns was like all right these sob stories keep happening more frequently so i would just play along with it and i realized that the sob stories no longer made sense and i was like this person can't even keep up with their own fake stories and then i would like create another version of the fake story and they would agree to it and then i would just laugh i'm like dude you just missed the whole point like i, I played your game and we're not doing this so what i said it was like hey Instead of helping you that way, let's work on this together so we can get you a better career. How about that? We update your resume, things like that. Never heard back. And I was like, hey, it is what it is. This person just knows that somebody's nice and will just give. But some people are not ready for a full solution. But yeah, but assessing your circle and then going from there to make sure that you're not allowing these people to just like keep running over you. Okay. But what if those people are someone really close to you, like a mom, a dad, a sister, brother, a child? Yeah, that's a great question. So another real life example, my family does not have my phone number. The best thing I did for myself five years ago was change my phone number. Mm. I didn't cut off everybody completely like out of my life in a negative way. It was for my own mental health. The reason why I would get drunk voicemails like 20 at a time or 30 paragraph texts where like your phone won't stop vibrating and you're trying to focus on work and it's hard to stay positive when your phone's just lighting up and you're like and it would happen every few days where i was like how do i stop this blocking didn't work because they'd get another number i was like simply paid i think at the time was like 65 bucks to get a new phone number with verizon this is like five years ago i did that and now My phone doesn't light up unless it's a client or my friends. And those are the only people that have my number. Nobody else has my phone number. They can email me. They can message me on social media, but I have power to respond. 
And if you're not on social media, they're in the message request folder so they can even see you read it. Not saying that's for everybody, but that's what worked for me is because I took my power back. That's all it was for my own mental peace, because some people would say that is selfish or negative, but it really isn't. It's selfless because it was affecting my mental health. And if I'm in a better mental place, then I can help people on a better level. Or also, I'm not that negative person in public. So when it comes to family, friends or people that are close, I some people say, oh, just cut them off. F them. It's more so drawing the line where one of my favorite quotes by Tony Robbins is you get what you tolerate. So I like to ask people, like, what are they tolerating? Because sometimes we train people to like expect stuff from us. And they're like, because we say yes too many times. That used to be me. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that aff- affection or the love from the family. So I was the giver of all my friends. I was the guy that would always drive people around. Like, hey, yo, Derek, yeah, can you pick me up? Can you? And then I would zoom out. I'm like, none of these people are here when I actually need something or if I just need a vent. But they know I'll be there for them 2 a.m. But really assessing your circle, you get what you tolerate. <clears throat> that is so true. So what do you think about forgiveness? And when... I don't want to say when we shouldn't forgive, but sometimes our families will kind of push us into a corner and use forgiveness to kind of get over. What do you think about that? That's a great question. So I like to focus on personal development rather than giving so much energy to the situation, Mm -hmm. like creating the man or woman that you would be proud of. And you get to a point where you've worked on the body, the mind, the faith, maybe the career, maybe the business where you're just proud of yourself and you're not at the end goal. You're, you're just like, wow, look, look at all, all we did. We used to be shy, insecure, cry a lot, whatever it was. And just looking at yourself and saying, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of her. And then once, once you do have that calmness with just yourself, this is just you versus you. Then you can decide, am I going to keep holding this anger and aggression because this happened 15 years ago? Or am I going to let it go? So a thing that I did personally, I let it go. So like I spend a lot of time in nature, like I'll go walking or I'll go hiking or swim in a body of water. And just in those moments when you feel like you need to let it go, go to nature and just do that rather than just keeping that aggression and anger. You can use it, let it fuel you for your goals or work out occasionally and all that. But if you hold it in all the time, then you're going to carry that anger into every friendship and relationship you have. And you're going to be like, well, you don't know my story. My dad did this, my mom did that, or they weren't in my life where that's very common. People carry that. And it's just like, okay, everybody's just supposed to say, okay, here's you. Let me carry all of your baggage with you because you don't do any self-development. And people expect everybody just to accept them and their, what is the thing on Facebook you see now is my toxic trait is, my toxic trait is, when I see that on my newsfeed on Facebook, I'm like, y'all are basically saying you don't want to work on yourself. Like we're supposed to accept you because something happened in your past, but Again, that's a different, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but when it comes to self-development, it you just feel better if you're proud of yourself. Because a person that has made themselves proud so many times, they less likely give that stuff energy. And it's it's more of a natural thing. It's not like you're just cutting everybody off aggressively. You're just more so, my peace is more important than this argument, and I'm going to keep doing my thing. That's just the way that I, I like to see things now. Okay. All right, so we're coming to the end. And my favorite question is, if you could go back and talk to 17-year-old Derek, what would you tell him about life and what he is about to experience? Great question. What I would tell him is to keep your faith strong 
and let everything fuel you. Keep your faith strong and let everything fuel you. And that right there helps so much because it humbles you to see life is happening for you, not to you. Rather than just seeing it as a victim per se, but seeing it as like a battleground or a training environment that's preparing you for life. Because I feel like the people that have the deepest relationships with people or even strangers, they've done a lot of self-work. But then you peel back the layers and you're like, wow, I didn't know Donna went through this. I just thought she was positive and just always a good person and all that. And then they peel back the layer like, oh, OK, <laughs> that's why she's this person now. But once people can learn that, then there's a much better relationship. But yeah, just saying, keep your faith strong and use everything as fuel. OK, I love it. All right. So thank you so much, Derek, for joining. I appreciate you it, Donna. Been- a pleasure and i forgot to tell you earlier but thank you so much for your service i appreciate it yeah so thank you and thanks for being a part can you let everybody know how they can follow you yeah for sure so my favorite app is instagram that is fit with derek and the number two fit with derek two and derek johnson at any other app is the same picture on everything my whole intent of social media is to make people think I, li- I like to call people out on social media not in a negative way but i'm, I'm just like I'll say something and people will message like, yo, you really got me thinking. I need I need to put these cigarettes down or that's the whole intent. I just want to see people win. And it's a little combination of tough love, but also just like, hey, let's all get better. Life is short. So why not become the best version of yourself? Okay. And you do training too, right? Like personal training? Yes, I do a combination of personal training and life coaching. So okay. some people that I work with, they're strictly are either trying to get in better shape, lose X amount of weight, or just work on their wellness. And others are like, hey, I'm in shape. I'm doing well in my career, but I suck at relationships or I suck at my own negative self-talk. So we break those patterns so they can feel like they're actually winning in all areas rather than just in these two. Oh, okay. That's nice. So I didn't realize that the relationships were included as well. Yeah, so it's it's life coaching and fitness coaching. So I treat everything with mind body. So an example could be I have some clients that kill it in business, but they're never present with their family. And we pinpoint, excuse me, we pinpoint why. And then we work on that. And then I have others that they have the six pack, but they have no money. And then we work on why you have that. So it's always interesting to learn people's things. And another common one is relationships with food. So like food disorders that they won't post about, they won't tell people about, but that happened because they got bullied. Family member called them fat since they were seven and they created bad relationship with food. So really peeling back the layers on the deep rooted things rather than just the surface level success, apps, bigger butt, whatever it is. But that's always been my favorite part is to give them that clarity. And once they're like, it makes sense. The more you see that, it's just amazing to see because you just see like, they start vibing higher and that's just always made me happy. Okay. Wait, before I wanted to say this, you mentioned something about a man who made, he had muscles, but no money. So what if you had a client that came to you with that situation, but he was actually like had a family and he felt, and he would allow his, his woman to kind of take care of everything financially. Would you tell him something about that? Do you think that? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I would definitely look at it in the situation as if you're going through something and your wife or whoever you're with supports you, that's amazing. That's a blessing. But 
that man has to be showing proof that he's working on his goals. Mm. So he's like, hey, I appreciate your help right now, but here's proof that I'm going to the gym. Here's proof that I'm starting this business. Hey, I just applied to 15 plays. Like, just show the proof. And if there's real love, then both partners will support each other. Because sometimes it's one-sided and then that dude gets comfortable. So again, everything is from a place of love. I want him to level up, but he can't be riding her wallet. So, right. So using that same story, but like you said, proof of working, what if it was on relationships and the husband was, you know, being in, being unfaithful, should a woman um, automatically cut him off or should she try to take him back? It all depends on the scenario, but also is that going back to the statement of you get what you tolerate. Yeah. Have they seen it before? And is this the second or third time? Because if it's that, then just be blunt. It's their fault for letting him or her stay around and repeat the process. But because some people, they're just like, they stay there. But that's a whole nother thing, which comes from abandonment issues from parents. But that's on a deeper conversation. But yeah, but then on the flip side, if it's the first time and somebody's doing something, then hey, if they're not doing the work and they have bad patterns, then got to cut those people out. Okay. So... I know you say you get what you tolerate. So do you think that's the reason why women say that so many men are unfaithful? Is it because a lot of women just accept it? I wouldn't say that I'm not going to create a percentage, but I will say that a lot of people are not good at, good at reading people. Mm. They look at people at a surface level. They look good or they have the money. And real deep conversations are rare nowadays, where it's more so for likes, clicks, on social media they look great online but at home they don't even sleep in the same bed mm. so i challenge people to have real conversations with people turn the devices off and learn about the person you're with if they don't want to have a real conversation besides what's your favorite color who do you listen to do you like beyonce want to go to the concert that's great but where are you guys going to get with that mm. really learning about that person not everybody's open to that some people just want the surface level. And if you guys agree, let's just have a surface level thing. Then, hey, teach your own if they're happy. But if they want something deeper, really learning about that man. Why is he the way he is? Why is she the way that she is? And then making each other better. I truly believe that's what love is about is balancing it out, learning from each other, where it's not just one sided. But some part of society, they just want the surface level clicks, likes and all that. So, hey, if that makes them happy. Teach your own. So true. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just thinking about everything with this perspective. Do you think just, uh, cause I, I didn't start a whole other conversation with hey, you. I, I appreciate it. I, I love your <laughs> conversation. So you're making me think too. Go ahead. <laughs> so when it comes to like those back to those relationships, remember we were talking about those leadership skills and those skills that make you more successful. Do you think there are certain skills that make you more successful in relationships? Yeah, definitely. So if an individual has control of their vices, everything will be better. Most arguments start because a guy, we'll, we'll say this perspective, most arguments start because a guy has neglected his finances or his body. He looks in the mirror and he never takes his shirt off. So when she comes around and is looking beautiful, he'll, he'll have some jabs and he's jabbing, saying slick stuff like, why are you going to wear that to dinner? He doesn't take his shirt off at the pool. So he's insecure about how he looks. So he's saying, why is she going to wear that fitted dress to dinner? He's basically saying, I don't like the way that I look and you're going to get all the attention. I need to step up my game and take my ass to the gym. But he's not going to say that. That's usually what it is. The dude is insecure and he's worried about what she's wearing. 
if she respects herself, cool. Where would it, where, where, whatever it is. But that's very common because the guy has a lot of aggression from insecurity of either the way that his body looks or his financial situation, whatever it is. But looking at it in that context, a lot of things just stem from insecurity. So when somebody's jabbing, those fingers are just pointing at back for a reason. That is so true. Is there suggestion? Because I had a situation, not me, myself, but I remember listening to a friend um, and it seemed like she had her boyfriend and he was almost jealous of her. That's what it seemed like. And that's strange. Yeah, so it's very common. The reason that a man would be jealous is he, every man at the end of the day wants to be the alpha or the leader and the caretaker. Mm. And if he doesn't feel like he is, and he's not doing the work, then he's going to say those slick things. But there's always going to be some. But if it's a guy and he and he is doing the work, then he's not going to mention those things because he's secure with himself. Mm. But usually that guy is just not doing all the work in his areas of life. And it just goes back to either a vice controls him and he's trying to escape reality. Or on the flip side, he's not being honest and just saying like, hey, five years ago, I made a mistake and I'm 20K in debt, but I'm doing this and this to get out of it. And if he lets that off his chest and they're on the same page and they agree to work together and work on this thing, then the elephant in the room is gone because he mentioned what it was instead of jabbing. Because it's usually a past decision of what it was rather than just like the right now. But if they're not open to talk about it, then he's going to carry that into everything and always feel that he's not the dominant one. But essentially, he's just either out of shape, in debt, can't control his vices. It's one of those three, usually. That is very true, because that was a very, very much the situation. It was, I think it was a money issue, and I think that he was a little jealous of how well she was doing. Yeah, and if a man can just push pride and ego aside, especially men need it more than anybody, if they can do that, then they'll start to grow. If they don't, then they're going to hit that ceiling like literally the rest of their life. They're going to be the dude at the bar, 50 years old, just talking about people. Those are usually the cycle of what they do. And again, teach your own, but it's just a common thing that I've always seen is like, that's what it is. The people that are always just gossiping, putting others down, they're not doing anything to serve humanity or help anyone. They're just trying to put others down because they're not happy with what where they are. So they need to feel power or control over someone. And it's usually they try to control and manipulate women or kids which is like the weakest cop out that's a whole nother conversation but yeah you got me hyped up over here (laughs) (laughs) definitely a whole nother conversation um that's funny i I lost my train i thought that was funny but yeah um we are the conversation is really good and now we're gonna have to do like a part two because now everybody knows that you're that you have so much going on like i saw the relationship but i didn't realize it was that kind of relationship which is really good because a lot of women a lot of the followers here we have those conversations uh frequently and actually the last one i'm going to ask you before i have to go is so when someone is in a relationship boyfriend and girlfriend not husband and wife okay do you think that they have to be faithful or they that they should be faithful even when they're just boyfriend and girlfriend yes 100 percent. because you're just wasting your time if not and then they'll just take those patterns with them nowadays I'm not going to say people are weird, but nowadays there are a lot of different things where people are like, oh, we have an open relationship or, oh, we have this. And again, to each your own. But if it's the traditional, then yes. If they want to get to the next level, then there has to be. Because if not, the ring doesn't change anything. So like, 
I'll just be blunt. I've been to a lot of weddings where I'm like, why am I even here? I think we've all felt that way before. We've mm-hmm. all had a friend wedding we went to where you're just like, this is like a reality TV show. <laughs> Two months later, there's something happening. And it's just more so because it's like people don't look at the facts and they do the wedding for likes and clicks online or just to be popular for five days. But it's just like, why are you guys going to get married? Just for clout or you actually love each other? Mm. Like if the event was not here and you went to a courthouse and you didn't tell anybody, would you sign because you love each other? Or are you just doing this for the attention? I don't know. This is just the way that I always saw it because I've been to many weddings and a lot of my friends have had multiple divorces where I was like, you wasted so much of your family's money. Like for what? Like, what are y'all doing? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's weird. Okay. But um, again, I do appreciate you, De- Derek. We definitely gonna have to do another video so we can talk. Yeah, more for about sure. It. I appreciate it. <laughs> one. Um, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. And thank you all for listening. I hope you all really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you all hit up Derek because he had a lot going on. Motivational. We going from surviving to thriving. Oh, yeah. Life, so life again, is too short to be in a low state. Definitely, definitely too short. So thank you all again. And everyone have a great day. If the Lord says the same, I will see you next week. Bye-bye.